The general sat and the lines on the map moved from side to side. And welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. A little Pink Floyd for everybody in honor of the British Grand Prix and the much-discussed lines of the track in Austria. Mm. I'm Drew Scanlon. Joining me, Danny O'Dwyer. How are you, Danny? I'm great. Big fan of track limits. Big fan of the British Empire as an Irish guy. Can't get enough of that. <laughs> So very excited. Uh, now Silverstone's a fun track. I've been there myself. Um, it's a good, good time to camp out. I've heard as well, and it's good for racing. So we're in for a treat. Uh, also joining us, Rob Zachney. How are you, Rob? Oh, just enjoying podcasting on this glorious Fourth of July. Uh, <laughs> lo- love dead. to honor America by celebrating uh, America's sport, Formula One. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Technically, uh, I am representing NASCAR with my shirt that uh, I got at the race that Danny and I attended. Uh, as well as my Williams Martini racing hat and my butt grow purr coffee mug. Well, as we yes. learned from this month's movie, NASCAR basically is America. It's true. And America never did nothing to nobody. Right. Oh, my gosh. That's <laughs> such a good line. Yes. Immediately after this, we, we are recording our patron exclusive podcast for Logan Lucky. So this is just going to be a fun morning. Sure is. Uh, welcome to this podcast if you are new to it. Uh, and if you're new to Formula One itself, we would recommend listening to our preseason primer episode that assumes no prior F1 knowledge for all you Americans out there uh, and explains <laughs> how the sport works and who everybody is. So if you'd, like, if you'd like to go back and listen to that, it's episode 216. Also, this show is supported entirely by our audience over at patreon.com slash shift F1, where every month, as Denny mentioned, we release bonus podcasts and videos exclusively for our patrons that cover racing documentaries and films. F1 video games, experiments with other racing series, and a lot of weird things. So if you would like to support the show and get access to all that fun stuff, head over to patreon.com slash shift F1 or click the link in the show notes. What's going on this month, Denny? Yes, Logan Lucky, as I mentioned before, is our, well, it's technically last month's Patreon podcast, but we'll be getting it up in the next 24 hours. Uh, this month, apparently we're doing Need for Speed, which if I'm right, does that have the the Breaking Bad guy? What's his name? Yes. Yes. I forget his name. Uh, yeah, whatever that guy's name. He's I wanted to say Logan Paul. That's not right. Aaron no, Paul. And Aaron Paul. Jesse Plemons was coming up for me, but I'm... That's because his character's watch... name's Jesse. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Okay. I would watch a Jesse Plemons Need for Speed movie. That would be interesting. <laughs> I believe Need for um, Speed was also filmed in San Francisco. Part of it. Oh, was it? Yeah. We'll know very quickly. Oh, yes, so it's secretly you know. a driver movie. Yeah. Is it? <laughs> right. Yeah. We've never done Bullet. Oh. Right? No, no, we've not. We put that's Bullet a, on the list a long time ago, but okay, so here's the thing. The the the, the floodgates are open because if <laughs> Logan Lucky is a racing movie, right, then fuck it. Bullet is too, even though that is ninety five percent a police procedural with a wicked car chase. <laughs> with one I car think we're chase. in. <laughs> we'll just have the Italian job will be next. Yeah, and, yeah. That's on the list. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I gotta make sure Ronan's on the list. Sorry. Please continue, Dan. Yes, uh, so we're going to do that. And the reason why we're doing Need for Speed is that the Gran Turismo movie is coming out the month later, and Rob wants us to be suitably prepared to review um, bad video game movies. I think we're loading the chamber on bad? that. Bad? Bad? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought I was on a podcast with my fellow Harbor Masters. <laughs> we're all gonna we're all we're all gonna show up and support our boy David Harbor. That's that's fair. Um, uh, turning up and supporting us, though, is all of our incredible title sponsors. Aaron Kolitz, welcome to the crew. Siphon Training, Turf SCS, Alex Medina, Kikaha of the Art, at Team Blackjack. Michael Maves, Gordy's Army, 
Talking at Talking Autos, Olivia Evans, Ironstation.dev, TelemetryDeck.com, FTC, Drew Stewart, Bailey Foote, Abdullah Al Thani, Stunt Derby demo is available now. <laughs> Thank, I love how Jason changes his name every time to something that helps us out. I appreciate love it. Love it. Uh, Abraham Getchell, The Space Above Us, Bunny Crimes, Snigs, Alex Goucher, Max Faltar, Circuit Demon, Troy Stammer, Umberto Roca, William Rumpf, Irvine Clinical Research, and Lachlan the Maddened Man. Thank you all. Fantastic. Oh, and and Jason Kelly. There was <laughs> there was a page break there that caught me out. <laughs> you get your own page, Jason. Congrats. Google Docs yeah, start trying to remind me. You know, you, you don't have to have page breaks. It's the internet, man. Like, yeah. what, what are you going to print this? And I'm like, no, I need these pages. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> wow, my old world brain. It's like people who are like when keyboards. I remember there was people uh, who were using a, like digital like computer keyboards and would still swipe their hand left to right what <laughs> yeah no. as if they were doing a, really? a typewriter when like yeah 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 incredible yeah <laughs> well uh the podcasts don't get much more stacked than this not only oh is it gosh. a back-to-back uh post-race and pre-race episode but we've got a sprint to talk about here so let's jump right into it the sprint grid uh was set well i don't know um i, I guess <laughs> I, I've forgotten how we've even done this. I'm going to go sprint first and then talk about qualifying and then the race, even though they didn't happen in that order. Fire. Um, That's totally fair. But uh, so in, in sprint Q1, the first qualifying session of the shootout, uh, signs had a break by wire issue, which if you're uh, unfamiliar, um, when they the drivers hit the brake pedal, not only do the mechanical brake you know, calipers uh, try to stop the wheels. Also, that sends a signal to the engine to do engine braking. Uh, but because that wasn't working on his car, only the mechanical brakes were working, which is not enough to stop the car. And so he came into the pits with smoking brakes. Um, they had to scramble to fix that. And they sent him back out with one lap to do. And he went fastest in SQ1. Pretty awesome uh, uh, effort by signs. Clutch. Yes. Uh, no, the clutch was fine. Um, Hamilton had a time deleted, uh, in the, in the, you know, not the first, but certainly, uh, the first that we're talking about, uh, the, the, the track limit fiasco that will unfold over the weekend. So he lines up in 18th for the sprint. Leclerc had a three place grid penalty for impeding Piastri in SQ1. And then on to SQ2, Russell had a hydraulic failure, was unable to set a time. Uh, and then Hulkenberg had a weird moment in the pits where he ran over one of his own tires and bounced yeah. up in the pit box. Thankfully, nobody was hurt. Yeah, I, I, I was trying to rewatch this to see. Was this the pit person's problem? I think or was this... so. Yeah, it seemed like they were hanging the tire out there. And he obviously, you know, took a sharp turn out of his box to get going. And we've seen that before. When tires hit tires, it's just chaos. Yeah. You know, when a car hits another tire, it's just like anything goes. Um, And that is true on road cars and in F1. So glad, thankfully he was all right, and also the floor was fine because it was a he left really high. Yeah, he did. Um, well, the sprint lines up like this: Max Verstappen on sprint pole or whatever <laughs> it's called. Uh, Sergio Perez <laughs> right behind him, uh, front row lockout for the Red Bulls on the sprint. Not so in the race. Uh, Lando Norris in third, Nico Hulkenberg in fourth on the medium tire, no less. Uh, Lando doing well with uh, McLaren upgrades, and uh, Nico Hulkenberg doing well in the Haas on that one lap pace that they have. Uh, and I think this is, uh, we'll, we'll get to qualifying, but he does pretty well there too. Uh, Carlos Sainz in fifth, 
with that uh, uh, fix for his break by wire coming at the last second, Fernando Alonso in sixth, Lance Stroll in seventh, Esteban Ocon eighth, Charles Leclerc in ninth, Kevin Magnussen in tenth. Behind them, we've got Albon, Gasly, Sonoda, DeVries, Russell, uh, having not set a time in SQ2, uh, Joe, Piastri, Hamilton, Botas, and Sargent. Uh, Danny, do you want to take us through the start of the sprint on these wet sure. conditions? Yes, they're all mostly all or mostly. I'm not sure on inters. I think all. I think all. Um, as uh, as they they start off, it's not actively raining, but the track is. I would call it wet, not damp. Um, so they're expecting a bit of spray and a bit of tough uh, conditions for these early turns. Uh, Verstappen gets away good, but Perez gets a better jump on him, and Perez um goes up the inside of Verstappen and gets ahead of him in front of uh, as they enter turn one and is now going up the straight uh, in the lead. Verstappen attempts to overtake him up the inside and Perez leaves not enough room. He does not leave a car length for Max on the right side, uh, forcing Verstappen to put two of his wheels and a lot of his car in the grass, which at the start of a wet race, you know, sounds like an incredibly dangerous thing to happen. Um, he manages to get it back on the track and not lose much speed at all. Uh, they're both racing up until the braking zone at the top of um, what is turn three, uh, up at the top of the hill. And Verstappen throws it up the inside and just can't brake. He can't get the car slowed down fast enough. He locks it up. He's kind of out of control. In so doing, he basically parks in front of Perez, so slows Perez down entirely. The biggest sufferer of this is Lando Norris, who doesn't sort of realize what's happening and doesn't turn in. The cars are, uh, I'd say, what's the word? They're like, they're, they really don't want to take this corner tight because it's got a high apex and uh, you basically go up and over and to get enough traction coming out of this corner. You kind of want to sweep through the middle of the 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 apex, um, uh, to get enough momentum. But he kind of so he kind of hesitates and he ends up stopping behind Verstappen, which allows Hulkenberg to overtake him up the inside. And Lando tumbles down the order as people take that uh, exit road, as it were, that's appeared. Um, while that happens, Perez uh drives up on the outside of the corner and gets a good um release. Verstappen gets a good release ahead of him, and now they're battling down into turn four. Verstappen's ahead and Perez is behind him. And as they get down into that braking zone, Verstappen, if the first one was accidental, the sec this one was not. Verstappen hangs Perez out on the outside of this turn, forces him out there, and then turns in last second. And this allows Nico Hulkenberg, who started in fourth, to overtake Perez. Um into the uh the start of the next uh, section as they tumble downhill so it's a great uh, move too it's on the outside as they're running down the hill uh in the in the wet really impressive yeah and it, it and it shows us uh, it was it it demonstrated how oh there might be lots of places to overtake on this track even though it's only got like seven corners yeah. <laughs> um this could be a fun race yeah, well, sadly, as we know, the Haas cars aren't great on race pace, and Hulkenberg is soon passed back by Perez on lap 12 and Sainz on lap 13. Uh, around this time is also when there's a great little battle between Ocon in 8th, Leclerc in ninth, and Norris in 10th. Norris having, like you said, Danny dropped way back. Uh, mm. Norris trying to get around Leclerc while Leclerc is trying to get around Ocon. Lots of challenges uh, through the middle sector. 
uh, as we don't get DRS enabled for about half of this race. Right. Uh, eventually, Leclerc does go wide on lap 16, and Norris is able to sweep up the inside. Uh, lap 16 is also where we get Russell in 12th, gambling by switching to slicks, uh, slick tires, as the dry line appears on the track. Remember, they only get points uh, for 8th place or higher in the sprint. Uh, lap 17, Hulkenberg's getting past left and right, so it's decided that he should also try slicks. Uh, a lot of others uh, outside the points also try it to see if they can um, you know, get a jump on those folks at the front who don't want to pit and seed track position. Uh, it is a tough one, though, because it's only a 24-lap race. Uh, in the end, though, it does work for Hulkenberg as he passes the intermediate runners of Norris and Ocon on the last lap to take sixth behind Alonso, who was, uh, when Hulkenberg pitted, getting ready to pass him anyway. Uh, so that turned out pretty well. Although I felt bad for him because he thought one more lap and he was making up like half a second a lap on everyone. Yeah. So he felt like, oh, he was going to get them. Like one more lap and he'd probably overtake both of them as well. But that's the margin we were looking at with this 24 lap uh, encounter. Yeah. Uh, Russell, the first to go on to slicks from 12th, did end up passing Norris on the last lap for the final points paying position in eighth so the result of the sprint looks like this max verstappen wins by 21 seconds yeah. in a 24 lap race from his <laughs> teammate sergio perez uh carlos signs in third lance stroll fourth was challenged by his teammate fernando alonso on that last lap but kept fourth place uh fernando alonso comes home fifth nico hulkenberg in sixth esteban Ocon just stays ahead of george russell uh, as they have a photo finish at the line, yeah. Ocon ahead by nine thousandths of a second. <laughs> uh, George Russell in eighth, Lando Norris ninth, Lewis Hamilton tenth, and behind them we've got Piastri, Leclerc, Albon, Magnussen, Gasly, Sunoda, DeVries, Sargent, Joe, and <clears throat> Botas. Yeah, I think if anyone's listening who didn't watch the sprint race for whatever reason, I don't know if people do this, if there's like a cohort of F1 fans who can really only spare the race, right? And they oh, sort I'm of win. Oh, sure there is. Yeah. I would highly recommend you go back and watch. This sprint race was fantastic. From start to finish, there was so much um, uh, overtaking and interesting spots. The track evolution was there. Mixed conditions always make stuff uh, compelling as well. Um, and yeah, it was just like, I guess my prediction of Max running away with it was, was, was there, but I didn't expect a track with so few corners to give us so many different places to over like them hanging it out around the outside of that turn five or six or whatever it is was like every time was was enthralling because there's so much to lose there because it's one of the only parts of the track where they do have a big chunk of gravel right next to the the road um all this runoff uh is is part of the reason perhaps why there's so much of this track limits shenanigans uh but we'll get to that in the race i guess yeah well it props up in qualifying too because over the course of q1 2 and 3 47 lap times are deleted <laughs> uh leaving us with a grid for the race that looks like this max verstappen on pole position uh but behind him charles leclerc in second and carlos Sainz in third lando norris uh came fourth just this despite only running 17 laps in practice before going to qualifying. Uh, but like we said, big upgrade to his car this weekend, although I think his teammate Piastri is still running the old spec. Uh, Lewis Hamilton will line up fifth. Uh, Lance Stroll out-qualifies his teammate Alonso for the second time this year. We'll start sixth. Fernando Alonso, seventh. Uh, Nico Hulkenberg uh, will start the race in eighth, his third straight Q3 appearance. Way to go, Nico. 
Pierre Gasly in ninth and Alex Albon in 10th. Behind them, we've got George Russell, Esteban Ocon, P- uh, Oscar Piastri, Valtteri Bottas in 14th place. He had a spin in Q1, made it through to Q2. Uh, Sergio Perez will start 15th. He was second fastest in Q2, but had all three of his fast laps deleted due to track limits. This is the third time in three races he has failed to reach Q3. It was crazy. Yes. And watching it live was nuts because like you could see it. Like it was like, this is the moment. You got to do it now. You got to do it. Get your bank lap. Do it, do it, do it. And he went wide again. And it was like, oh my God, <laughs> that's like unacceptable. And like, yeah. So imagine the the, the twin realities of Hulkenberg getting into Q, Q3. What was it in the past five races three, or three, something like that? Three, last three races. Three and Q3. Perez hasn't gotten in, out wow. of Q1 yeah. in three. And you're like... Put him, put Hulkenberg in the Red Bull. Let's go. Paris did get out of Q1. He he got to Q2, oh, but he just, yeah, he did not effectively set yeah. a time. His time was two minutes, six seconds, because it was one of his, like, warm-up laps. It was the only oh, one funny. that counted. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit off that the pace there, Checo. Yeah. Uh, Yuki Tsunoda in 16th, followed by Joe Guan Yu, Logan Sargent, Kevin Magnuson, and Nick DeVries. Uh, Magnuson and DeVries both made uh, changes to their car, uh, so they were required to start from the pit lane. Uh, but they were in the back anyway. Um, Danny, do you want to take us through the start of the race? Sure. Uh, not much action at the front. Great battles uh, throughout turns one, three, and four between Verstappen and uh, Leclerc. Uh, but Verstappen uh, on each one, despite Leclerc's uh, very interesting attempts to try and get in the inside and outside of Verstappen, Verstappen always sort of dominating the line um, and doing a great job of defending. There was a little bit of contact at the back. I believe it was Nick DeVries had his uh, front of his um, uh, le- front, his left side of his front wing gobbled up on turn one. Was it him or Sonoda? Uh, was it Sonoda? I thought it was Sonoda. Oh, you're right. It was. Sorry. I, I just got wrangled because DeVries ended up last um, on the grid. But he ended up... Um, yeah, so you're right. So that explains what happened then on turn four, which was that Sonoda went straight coming down um, that downhill right-hander, uh, a spot where lots of people in Formula 2 and Formula 3 also lost it. Um, and he ended up taking the gravel road, which is uh, just on the outside of the circuit there. Uh, and aside from that, there wasn't all that much. There was no major incidents like in any of the races. Um and uh, and off they went. Yeah, so thankfully for Tsunoda, he does make it back on track. But we do get a brief safety car for Debris. Um, they go through the pit lane a couple times, but they, they do get back racing uh, pretty quick. Lap 13, Hulkenberg pulls off the track with a power unit Aww. issue, has to retire. Uh, this brings out the virtual safety car. Bummer for him and Haas because they were you know, doing relatively well this weekend. Um, but the virtual safety car tempts most teams, including the Ferraris, uh, which is odd. Um, it, I should say tempts them to pit uh, because the Ferraris had already passed the pit lane when the VSC came out and thus yes. have to do, you know, almost a whole other lap to come in. Uh, Red Bull bad, cars, bad however, timing. do not. Sorry, Danny, what? Yeah, it was bad timing for them. It was that they were anticipating it, you could tell, and but they had well cleared the uh, pit lane entrance there on the start straight when it happened. So even like... It was it Hamilton, I think, was behind them, um, uh, and Alonso and Stroll. They all just dove in, yeah. like, last second. It was super, like, oh, we're going in, we're going in. I think it was Hamilton and Norris were the first two in. Yeah, well, uh, Verstappen stays in first, having not pitted, uh, while Perez, having moved through the field from that 15th place to ninth by lap 13, inherits third 
behind Leclerc uh, and ahead of Hamilton, uh, who themselves did pit. Uh, speaking of Hamilton, the main talking point of this race, as we've said, is tra track limits. Uh, drivers, it seems, throughout this race cannot keep it inside the white lines, uh, especially those last two corners. And the way the penalty works is you get warnings for the first two infractions. And then on the third infraction, you get a black and white flag, which is your final warning. One more, and you earn yourself a five-second penalty. You then have to serve that penalty at your next, next pit, pit stop. So when the car comes in, nobody can touch it for five seconds. Um, but if you don't make a pit stop after you get the penalty, the penalty is then applied to your race time. Uh, by lap and you can accrue more of these. if you yes. Once you've done that, you're back to zero, and three strikes, you're back up at the plate again, and three strikes in your at next time. Yeah as well uh by lap 17 though hamilton <laughs> has already earned himself a five second penalty uh, can i mention one last thing about the uh, pit stop yeah with for ferrari um so because this is a virtual safety car those are extra tricky uh, and extra tricky to do late because a safety car you always know that it's going to end at a certain point it's not going to end when you drive into the pits but a virtual safety car can end at the drop of a hat they have a little bit of a heads up as to when it's going to happen, but it's only like, what is it, 10 seconds or something like that, I think, that they alert the teams. Um, so unfortunately for uh, signs as he's leaving the pits, the virtual safety car ends as he is exiting pit road, which allows Norris a bit of t uh, extra uh, RPM to get ahead of him, um, which is why he was up until lap 19th, I think. Hmm. So Ferrari... Uh, you know, in weeks past, we've criticized their pit stop strategies. This was very much them just getting the opposite of whatever the rub of the green is. Yeah, well, Signs did not have such a great time. He was third when the virtual safety car came out, but rejoined in sixth. Uh, however, he made quick work of Norris at turn three on lap 17, uh, who was on hard tires while Signs was on mediums. Uh, Signs then closes up to Hamilton and two laps later attacks him, uh, taking fourth place. Uh, and then a lap later after that, uh, lap 20, he catches Perez and passes him in the same spot that he got Hamilton. Some really great work, I think, from Carlos Sainz in this race and Big in time. qualifying. Uh, lap 25, Verstappen pits from first, ceding the lead to Charles Leclerc, uh, breaking his streak of 249 <laughs> consecutive laps led. That's wild. Yeah. Uh, Verstappen comes out in third actually behind signs, but a lap later gets by him with a real crafty move. Uh, just before turn three is the DRS detection line. And Verstappen knows that if he passes signs before this line on his way into the turn, then signs will get DRS on the next straight. So Verstappen hangs back, lets signs lead into the corner, and then Verstappen cuts back at the turn exit and deploys his DRS on the straight, shooting by signs who has a trick no that, a, a trick that his teammate <laughs> should make note of yes as we learn later in the race yeah this i wonder i i kind of like the trick here it works good we have seen them move drs detection points for this uh in jeddah do you remember mm -hmm. there was the hamilton verstappen no you go first no you go first uh of the final corner there yeah. um but there was something fun about this because the risk reward element was there here because you could get the overtake done into that turn if you wanted um uh, or you could attempt to do it this way so it was it was quite fun watching them game that system i thought it was cool yeah uh lap 28 hamilton struggling with his car complaining of it being slow norris takes advantage by passing him with drs to take fourth place uh hamilton you know also does not like hitting penalties 
uh, Toto Wolf had to sure come doesn't. on the radio and say, like, hey, man, we know the car is slow. Please just drive it. <laughs> He's, he was doing... It's funny. I always wondered, are they... Is this Hamilton? Is Hamilton complain more? And like when he gets a penalty, he's like pointing at everyone else, or is everyone doing it? And they're just like broadcasting Hamilton. Showing, I mean, Norris is doing it to Ham for, to Hamilton. You know, that's true. Initially, yeah. I think everyone is doing that because uh, uh, who was it that they were like, "Hey, we need to know every time someone was it Norris? We let us know yeah, every so time." It was, it was Norris early in the race. Right. Every time it was Hamilton. Uh, is very much yeah. like tell the make sure the headmaster knows every time he goes, <laughs> yes. uh, which is ironic because of course Norris would also get in hot water for this. Like it was that brief moment where aha, these other guys are having trouble with the track limits. This is how we'll get them. And in the end, everyone is in the same jackpot. But but I I, I do kind of feel like yeah. it is an element of the minute these dudes are called out for this, and it's like you're being called on the carpet for track limits. They're all a little bit highly strung. I think Hamilton particularly when he doesn't like the car. Uh, and so you do just get this, well, what, what, what's going on? Like you're calling me on track limits. What with these guys? Oh, track limits there, track limits there, track limits everywhere. That like, that was half the drivers on the, on the grid, this race, <laughs> the moment they were called for their own track limits violations. And yeah. like, there was just that profound sense of injustice. <gasps> you kick me at. Yeah. Uh, well, up in third place, another five seconds track limits penalty is handed to Carlos Sainz. Mm. Uh, by lap 35, Verstappen has closed up to Leclerc in first, and this time not only lets Leclerc get to the DRS line first, but also passes him at turn three, meaning that he is ahead of Leclerc and gets DRS on the following straight. That's a twofer. Yeah. That's, that's pro strats right there. Yes. Uh, also, this time, uh, we see DeVries handed a five-second penalty for pushing Magnuson off into the gravel. Uh, yeah, that was not great. DeVries not having a wonderful weekend here on a week end that he really needs to have a wonderful weekend. This is Red Bull's but home was, turf, man. This is one of those yeah. things where it's like, should is it your fault if a guy's chosen a line? Where it's gonna be real hard to stay on the track, like he, like I've seen way more aggressive stuff. This didn't look like a I am running this guy out onto the turf. It looked to me like Magnuson was a place where it's just gonna to be tough to bring the car around the outside through there. Uh, and so do that you, do you like, not it, still it, have to leave the cars with if they're side by side on the apex? It's, it's, I, I, yeah, I, I mean, I guess I guess there's clarity, but it, it it just goes to that thing of there are some places where like leaving a car's width requires you to kill your car's momentum and yeah, like, destroy yeah. your your move through the corner so that someone who's out of position can like get themselves out of the jam they put themselves in. Yeah, this is one I would love to see Julian Palmer tackle because it it does. I I I hear what Rob is saying on this one. It is, you know, maybe six of one, half dozen of the other. Uh, well, lap forty-two, Perez gets by Alonso into turn three for fifth place, continuing his comeback tour. Uh, lap forty-six, signs pits serves his penalty. Oh, isn't this where we start seeing the slicks coming out like in heavy rotation, or the like? This is. So at 42, I've just got the note here. This is where we start seeing like a lot of these last-minute tire changes. For uh, So I was thinking about the sprint race for a second there when it was the whole d debate about slicks. Um, but yeah, like 42 is like a new pit stop cycle uh, starting. I just have the other note that just before that, 
LeClaire got a radio message from the Ferrari pit wall. Hey, what do you think about three stops? <laughs> That's right. And he was like, uh, no. No. <laughs> no, not not at all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because I think everybody pitted so early, or most people did, yeah. with that virtual safety card that they now have to, this is the, the second time they have to pit. Um, but yeah, Sainz does pit, uh, serves his penalty, comes out in fifth behind Norris in a lap later, closes up with DRS and attacks around the outside. Another great move from Sainz. They go side by side for a while, but Sainz eventually does seal uh, fourth place. Perez also still on the move. On lap 56, he gets by Norris for fourth place. Uh, but three laps later, he meets Sainz, who is a tougher nut to crack. Perez, like we said, does not quite have the hang of the DRS line trick that Verstappen was doing. So while he passes Sainz, Sainz keeps getting DRS and taking the place back. Probably the most entertaining battle of the race for me. Uh, Sainz getting squirrely, but keeping it under control, hanging on to the place for a few more laps until Perez does get DRS and gets by him for the final podium position. Yeah, the fight, the battle he had with Lando and the battle he had with Perez after that turn four section were were terrific. Um, especially I think for people who remember, you know, Hamilton um taking out uh um who was it? It was a uh, why can I not remember any driver's name this early in the morning? Um, are you talking about Albon? Al- Albon, Albon, when he was at Red Bull, mm-hmm. remember he took him out on that turn on that corner. So yeah, it, it's it's always fun to see them tackle that that little part of the track it's probably one of the parts that they have the best view as well because it's like downhill but it's curving up at the bottom so i wonder if that helps them uh take those those tighter lines but it was uh yeah it was super cool uh well after the race um (laughs) so 12 track limits penalties were earned over the course of the race eight of those were applied after the race concluded and i if i'm reading this right some of them only after aston martin lodged a protest saying that there were more drivers that should have had penalties. And so uh, the stewards uh, upheld that protest, went back and made sure to, I guess, look at every track limits infraction of which I think there were like 1200 over the course of the weekend. Um, (laughs) And it turns out that yes, there were more drivers who deserved time penalties. So after all of that, the way that the race result shook out was Max Verstappen, you know, still won the race by quite a margin. Actually, uh, five seconds. He could have had like Claire. he could have had like fifty penalties. Um, Sergio Perez is, he, came in third, coming up from fifteenth place, despite also being sick the whole weekend. All right. Uh, Lando Norris in fourth. Oh. Uh, Fernando Alonso in fifth, and Carlos Sainz in sixth. Uh, he is one of those who lost a couple places. Um, due to a penalty, actually finished fourth, but uh, dropped down to sixth with his time penalties. Um, Behind him, George Russell, seventh. Lewis Hamilton in eighth. Again, he finished seventh, but dropped down to eighth. Uh, Lance Stroll in ninth. Pierre Gasly uh, in tenth, having been penalized from ninth place. Alex Albon in 11th. Uh, He was penalized, but keeps uh, his 11th place. Then Joe Guan Yu, Logan Sargent, who also keeps 13th. Uh, Esteban Ocon in 14th. Uh, he dropped down from 12th. Uh, Valtteri Bottas in 15th. Oscar Piastri 16th. Nick DeVries 17th. He dropped down from 15th. Uh, Kevin Magnussen 18th. Yuki Tsunoda 19th. He dropped down from 18th. And Nico Hulkenberg with the DNF. 
Mm. So kind of a crazy end, post end, post script to the race. Uh, what do we feel about all of this track limit stuff? I'm going to go to Rob Zachney. So I've come around on it. Uh, stay in the white lines, get their asses. Like, like where, like, here is the thing we have increasingly, and this ties into the, the sadder story we're going to get to, but let's talk about the white lines first and like how we construct tracks. Like there are, there are a lot of things that are done to control the speed that the cars are able to attain through sections of a track. There's a lot of things about like trying to constrain the cars to uh, be in certain positions and sort of reach a different sections of the track with, with a certain amount of run at flat out. There's a lot of things that go into circuit design, but the thing you're not allowed to do or they, they've gotten away from doing is introducing things that could cause themselves like could, could pose a hazard, right? For exceeding those limits. Uh, we've gotten away from different types of uh, like track surface, like things that are go up to the edge of the track surface because those can cause drivers to lose control and generate incidents. So you see less grass verging on tracks. You see a lot less of the gravel traps uh, that we used to see. Now, some of this is because, and this is specific to Austria, um, MotoGP has very different safety requirements. Danny can probably talk about that when you've got a multi, multi-purpose track. Uh, you're going to have different sort of safety paradigms you need to observe. But ultimately, like these, these, the approach that a lot of modern track design has gone to is wide areas of asphalt runoff. So that if a driver, you know, makes a mistake, there's plenty of space for them to regain control of the car, course correct, and safely rejoin. That's all to the good. But... The flip side of that is if there is no, like, you know, material penalty where your car is going to get, like, you know, possibly spun around by touching the grass or buried in the buried in the gravel, uh, you're going to see drivers push those limits because effectively there's no penalty for getting a little bit wrong except that you exceed the track limits and who really cares about a little white line. And this did kind of feel like the let's, uh, you know, everybody... Uh, we're going to Naruto run area 51 approach to track <laughs> limits where, well, they can't, you know, the cops can't get us all. Well, it turns out they kind of can. The thing is, if you have it happening this consistently, it does look silly. It absolutely looks silly. It looks like the refs are being real sticklers. No one wants to, no one wants to see race results adjusted after the fact or decided uh, in, in the stewards room. But they were pretty clear and consistent for the entire weekend. The white lines are inviolable. We are going to be absolute pricks about them. And voila, they were in the race too. And to an extent, like if we're going to have, uh, you know, this approach to having the course limits uh, be sort of more theoretical bounds marked by a white line rather than like hard guardrails or slippery grass or serrated curbs or uh, gravel traps then we have to you kind of have to do the do the thing where everyone has to imagine that white line is lava right that's that's kind of what we have to do and so after a point i'm kind of like y'all just need to deal with it joe and russell did two drivers didn't run afoul of any of this they they managed to have a have a clean race it can be done science solved it uh, I guess the, the only, the last thing I would say, the thing I do have a lot of sympathy for is the drivers can't see very well 
out of these cars. And I do kind of wonder if the next frontier for F1 technology is going to be like AR displays so that you can see like in your, like in a, in a driver heads up display, some sense of where the wheels of your car are relative to the track surface. That's the only thing I can think of because I don't think, I don't think they're crap at this. I just think they have no, uh, automotive proprioception uh mm. in in this model car i think you could do it with audio too you could make it like um uh like a a metal detector you know where it like you it, it gets louder or a higher pitch the mm-hmm. further you get or closer you get to going outside the white line um, it's like a stall in an airplane <laughs> right yeah That'd be even more sports anime, right? Because now your F1 car would be like, it'd be like Top Gun. You know, you'd have like tone and lock and shit like that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Rob, I am 100% with you. I think all of the the tone, especially in like uh, motorsports reporting after this is all like, it's farcical. And, uh, you know, they're they're quoting drivers saying like, um, I think it was Verstappen maybe or Russell. It was like gra- grandma can't watch, doesn't understand this race. Um, apparently, grandma can't <laughs> grasp track limits. Um, yeah, I, I, and I, I'm kind of uh, uh, sad that Martin Brundle wasn't there this weekend. It was Anthony Davidson on uh, color commentary for the Sky Feed because um, Martin Brundle has been beating the track limits drum for a long time. Um, and both him and Anthony Davidson were just like, ah, or Croft and Anthony Davidson were just like, wow, this is, it's all over the place. I can't believe this. Um, and Martin would just been like, yeah, penalize those dudes. <laughs> Danny, what are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah no, I, I, I agree. I, I don't have all that much to add. I, I'm, I'm for it. It added a dynamic nature to the race as well, which I think benefited viewers. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's funny. It's like yellow cards. It's like yellow cards in football where, you, they have to be careful and now you're watching you're watching them trying to be careful and that has to be part of their decision making which i think is super important um i did want to mention one last thing just the while all while everyone else was scrapping about track limits and worrying about all that max verstappen went and pitted on the final lap to get uh the That's fastest so lap true. as well right which which considering the window was you know if if they'd had a dodgy pit stop he would have lost the lead to Leclerc, but um, I thought that was a uh, pretty boss mode of him. In fairness, Danny, real quick, I am curious what like what specifically is the thing that would be good for car racing that they don't want to do in motorcycle racing? Like, it's gravel. It's gra- Yeah, there's the gravel is so much more pro- prominent, and the reason is because it's it's slowing the drivers down. But, um, but why is it so bad? If like why is it a safety riders. hazard for motorcycles? Uh, which uh, not having gravel. Or gravel, I guess. It seems like it's. It seems like the issue is they don't want to add more gravel traps due to the fact that um, MotoGP rides there. And I guess I didn't like in my head. I'm like, it would. It would still work as a as a momentum arrester. It, it would, but I think I think in my I don't I I don't have a proper answer. I would surmise that it had something to do with one of the things they've always wanted is making sure the drivers are sliding on their backs. That's mm-hmm. why they have that unit on their back that's also like it's like a little airbag. And I think if you add gravel in, you you might be like twisting legs and flipping people over a bit much. Bit oh more yeah, than yeah. It, the bike stumble bike too. more easily too. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Then, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that's that's Australia. Um, I'm, uh, that's Austria. 
<laughs> Sorry, there's a lot going on here. Finally, it happened. Yes. Um, Somebody. Uh, well, from from Austria, just up the road to Spa, Denny, for uh, some sad news. Yeah. Um, right after the... I, I got wind of this right after the spin race when they interviewed Lance Stroll. Um, tragically, we lost another young driver this weekend in Spa, 18-year-old Delano Van Toff, um, who was racing as part of the uh, Spa uh, Formula Regional Series, which was a support race for the 24 Hours of Spa, which was on uh, this weekend. Um, I don't want to get too much into the specifics of the crash. I think you to, to get an idea of it right now is actually impossible based on video feeds. During the race, it happened sort of in the background, so it wasn't really broadcast, and there are footage out there from spectators um, if you want to go down that sort of grim road. Um, but the reason we're bringing it up, obviously, aside from the fact that this is a tragedy for the motorsport family, is that this did happen at the top of Eau Rouge or at the top of uh, Radion. And this is obviously something that we've talked about for years. They have reprofiled, <clears throat> sorry, they've reprofiled that corner in recent years. Um, we are but four years away from the uh, tragic early uh, uh, loss of life of Antoine Hubert, um, who died at the start at the top of that track, um, having lost uh, control of his car and was collected by someone. And by all accounts, this was another uh, crash where somebody was collected and and crashed into at the side of the car, which is the most, um, uh, you know, dangerous part especially the smaller cars i think their safety cells are probably not as robust um and also it's the second time it's happened to a young driver um on a tricky part of of, of the track the other thing i should mention is that this was wet they were i was watching the start of it and i was watching these regional these younger races like if you watch f2 and f3 you will be you will be struck by how many cars are driving there's not 20 like in f1 there's often over 30 um driving uh, and we know that this is a part of the track where you have a blind turn Eau Rouge is generally the the turn at the bottom of of this part and then radion is the the sort of the up over the hill part it's somewhat blind um uh, as you're cresting that hill but when you're adding spray into the mix it's very very blind and i was actually when i was watching it and i was like these drivers are a little young to be doing this, maybe. I don't know. It it seems like an accident waiting to happen, which is easy to say in hindsight, but um, obviously it was in this case. And a, a child, you know, an 18-year-old, a young man has uh, has lost his life. And it's becoming a little bit too common, this story. Danny, there's like... Yeah, my immediate reaction to this is they have reprofiled uh Radion and Eau Rouge with runoff to prevent this and it appears they it, it wasn't new bear style accident it was a from what we can see something different happened uh it looks like right. this might have happened closer to the Kemmel straight uh yeah, but it yeah, looks like the incident fair. begins to unfold uh at the top of Radion but if you if I'm looking at these two things um you know one yeah one thing they have in common is is the location the other thing is these two fatalities are junior formula uh, formulae in the rain. And the thing that really uh, shocked me is that this happened on a restart. They were doing a, a yeah. restart with, to finish a race under, uh, under green with like, I think just a lap left. Ver Verstappen mm -hmm. made this point that why would you restart in those conditions? Why, like why, why do a standing restart at spa of all places <clears throat> in these conditions? Uh, 
And like looking at the footage, once again, I, like I have this thought with a lot of just uh, places where I see them running in the rain. I think we've talked about this a few times. There, like it, maybe this is a, a climate change thing with the way like rainfall patterns have have shifted, but full wets is just that creates this fog bank that mm. did, I don't. You know, it used to be really unusual conditions in F one where the track would appear to like almost disappear behind a wall of smoke. And now that's basically every time the full wets come out, that 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 seems to be like what a racetrack looks like. Yeah, and I know it just looks worse than it stands because you're shooting throwing. down through the through the spray. But like, I look at that and I'm like, if the corner's even a little bit unsighted, now visibility is going to be basically nil. Uh, be, you know, w- w- with all the spray, and so I, you know, I think there's there, there's a lot of factors here. I th- but I think predominantly the the first one that 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 comes to mind is like these restarts to finish races you know when the, you know the tag ends of races uh in tricky conditions like this especially in junior formulae which by the way i don't want to make it sound like this is just a experience thing like you know it's a skill issue that younger drivers get into this so there is skill and experience involved every driver in these in these earlier series has an incentive to run bigger risks because all of it is auditioning for yeah. the jobs they want. All of it is a trial to prove that you have the stuff to Get move up to pack. the next the next rank of motorsport. And so, like, I think it's almost even more dangerous to set set these drivers loose in tricky conditions because all of them, especially with like all points on the board with a with a you know end of race re- restart, all of them are, all of them are incentivized to push right up to whatever they think their edge is. And maybe a little past it. And I think, um, you know, we've... I remember when you would often hear older drivers talk about how younger drivers drove and how they weren't big fans of the the risk calculations that a lot of younger drivers in F1 were making. And I think a lot of people, like, tend to treat those guys like dinosaurs, right? Like, shut up, Jackie Stewart. Well, there's a lot of reasons to tell Jackie Stewart to shut up. But there was a lot of, like... You know the, these these older F one drivers, this older generation, sound like absolutely like cavemen. Uh, you know, talking about like there were good things about the danger of the sport, or complaining about this younger generation. But I, but I do think there is something to this, which is that you know, in the old like in the old days, uh, because the sport was so was known to be so dangerous, and so many of these guys were scared to be out there driving. They actually, a lot of them tend to make pretty conservative risk calculations about like how how hard to push, like how you treated certain corners. And as things got safer, things got flipped around where the incentive now was to show how hard could you push, even if it seemed like you might be entering danger. You probably weren't. So keep that foot on the floor. And I think there's there's a bit of that as well. And I think it's going to be at its worst in in junior formula. Uh, and I think, you know, when you do a restart like this, you're pouring gasoline on it. Mm. Sorry, I was muted there for a second. Similar language was used by uh, Lance Stroll, um, who said that F1 is playing with fire uh, by returning to Spa for this month's Belgian Grand Prix without modifying the Eau Rouge and Redion complex. Uh, this from Autosport, also worth pointing out that uh, Verstappen was asked about this as well. <clears throat> he says, for sure, it's quite a dangerous corner. 
But also we're going to Jeddah in sector one. And that for me is probably more dangerous. Even I'm happy yeah. that nothing has happened yet in that sector because you're going through turns six, seven and eight. And if you have a shunt there, that can be the same. It's all blind and you don't know what's coming. I remember yeah. at the beginning of the year there, I got upset with my engineer because I impeded Lando Norris and I know how that feels. It's super dangerous when these things happen. Um, yeah, I, I think Rob, uh, I, I'm with you that we need to sort of take these sorts of things into account. But I think also we should listen to the drivers. Like they are the ones who probably have the best uh, uh, idea of um, their own safety, uh, especially when it, when it comes to things like this. And, and I say that because not that they're like, you know, track design experts, but because not only are they the ones actually doing it, but when you hear someone like Max Verstappen, you know, the guy race like races in his off time. Like he is Mr. Racing. Uh, and he is saying, now, I think these turns are a little too hardcore. Like, I think. But that's it's not what he's saying to- in that quote. Like, that's not what Max is saying. Is So Ma- the interesting thing Max is saying there, Stroll is saying like, oh, Rouge and Radio need to go. What's interesting is like Max is out there being like, I don't know if we can fully blame Spot. And then he points out that Jetta has the same factors that attain, mm. which I think is interesting because I think the the thing that Max is drawing out with the Jetta comparison is the really scary thing that happened here is the track. This is a por- portion where there's like hard limits on the, to the track on one side, and someone gets guided back into traffic and gets hit. And there's a lot of places where that is possible. And that's kind of the scary thing, but it's it's probably more possible than anywhere at Jeddah given the speeds. So I don't know. It's it's like I I think in, in some ways, um, you know, this is a you know, it, it, this is a sort of accident that it happened at Spa, and there there may be something to that. There there probably is something to that corner, but this specific incident also seems like something that could happen alarmingly in a lot of places. Um, I was thinking about like. Indy 500, we had that tire launched into, like, just past the stands. But also, the incident that launched it, if that had been a broadside collision, oh, yeah. we're having another conversation it, like this. There's I mean, just, Alex, Alex Zanardi. Yeah. Right? That's, that's, that's as, well, it's not as bad as it gets. He, what, he had his life, thankfully. But, like, that type of crash, you know, at that speeds with those cars, would you get broadsided? You're... You know, it's up to the gods at that stage. Yeah. Well, um, I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what the inflection point is to, to make a change here. Um, but yeah, I to kind of close the the loop on what you were saying about Verstappen's quotes, Rob. Further in this article, he says, uh, of course, it gets brought up. But I feel it's a bit unfair to just blame it on the track, because I think in the first place you have to look at why they restarted the race. Uh, they already. I think already the changes they made in Spa, they definitely opened it up a lot more, but it will always be a dangerous corner. But we're going to a lot of tracks where there are dangerous corners where up until uh, probably there is an accident, you won't say anything. Yeah. And to to, to to the point of like Stroll, I think, was reacting only just hearing about it. And Rob is right. Like it seems, and I don't want to get into the, the, the grisly details or anything. It seems like one of the drivers lost control of their car on Radion and then something happened in between the two feeds maybe he was rejoining not quite sure but somebody was out of position or forced somebody else out of the way and that's why there was a a car that 
got broadsided um, or went sideways and then got collected basically um and yeah i think like it's i think that's that to me is like one of the more haunting aspects of this is that presumably there is a race director somewhere who's having just i can't imagine how how the organizers who who green flagged this race in the rain with these young drivers and and this happened this is the thing they worry about and and it occurred um maybe everyone feels like that turn is safer now because they did such a massive job on it you know mm. and it was a long yeah, time coming and so yeah but i'm 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 with rob on the i think the factor here that that plays it up the most to me is the rain uh when i watched the feed and i saw how wet it was i was like wow they let them drive in this as well this is this is nuts um and i hadn't even realized it was a restart which seems to really push it out there my last thought would be you know they used to have a starting grid at the foot of uh a rouge you know they used to have a starting grid on that part oh the there straight yeah and i do wonder if you if you if you insist on these restarts if you restart them up that straight so they don't have the entire run from la source up to Rouge and Radio, yeah. do you cut the speeds enough that if incidents are happening, they're lower speed. Like you would still get probably a big pile up as people get it wrong, but lower speeds, that is bits of carbon fire being shorn off, you know, maybe another red flag to clean things up, but it is not a, you know, full tilt, um, you know, rolling disaster up Radion uh, into the Kemmel Strait. That's my only thought, but I do think like the, the decision-making paradigm around these restarts needs to shift. Like I didn't like it in dry conditions in Australia, uh, you know, mm. with the, with the, with the light being lost. I didn't like it at Indy when they appear to be generating multi-car accidents via restarts. We could, <laughs> so, so we could finish, uh, have a dramatic photo finish. I think there is a, Dre Harrison made this point, uh, you know, on, on his, on, on an article he wrote, um, he's, he's part of WTF one now, but, uh, you know, he sort of pointed out that there's a mania now in motorsport to have things like they got to finish under green, don't want to finish under safety car, mm. don't want to finish under like waved yellows. And it's like, man, there's a lot of times when that's just the lesser of two evils. Yeah, it works so well in 2021. Um, <laughs> all right, let's move on to Silverstone. Danny, why don't you take sure. us through the track? Classic track, the most classic track you can get. Uh, this is where the first ever Grand Prix happened in 1950. Uh, Silverson is based on a uh, what used to be a fairly common setup uh, for racetracks in Europe, which is the sort of triangular airfield, the beautiful World War II airfields that popped up everywhere when people realized they could shoot guns out of airplanes um, uh, or strap guns to airplanes. Uh, so you're looking at like a, a, you know, sort of triangle of runways, uh, as it were, and that ends up being the skeleton on which many racetracks have been built. Silverstone, arguably the most uh, famous and well-celebrated of those. Uh, Silverstone is very different to Austria. Uh, first of all, it's flat as a pancake, so there are no issues of cresting hills. There's no issues of driving up and dodgy apexes this track is pretty much there's a little bit of topographical change in sector three you're doing a little bit of climbing earlier in the lap and you kind of come downhill towards the the uh the paddock but generally it's it's super flat um it's also got lots of turns or 18 turns here as opposed to the i think austria 
technically has more, but it really has seven. Um, all of the turns in Silverstone are turns. Some of them are uh, hard-breaking zones. Uh, I would say two of them. <laughs> and the rest of them are mid- or high-speed turns. There's a lot of flat-out turns here. Uh, there's a section called Maggots and Beckets, which is uh, a bunch of uh, super high-speed left-right, left-right turns which are a lot of fun. There's Cops Corner, which is high speed. Um, and so the drivers love this. They uh, There's a quote a couple of years ago from Lewis Hamilton where he said, it's the closest thing we uh, get to feeling like jet, jet pilots because they are just going all out, pulling left, pulling right. Um, because of the length of the lap, it's not that many of them. 52 laps, uh, 5.9 kilometers or 3.65 miles. Um, and... You would argue, I guess, with the you know, Ferrari fans love looking at the uh, the 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 mini sector time. You know, the mini sector map where you 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 break the three sectors of the lap down into like another four areas for each of those, and each of those is like turns and straights. And if you look at that, you see how well the Ferraris perform. They outperform the Red Bulls on all those all those turns. Any sort of like high speed turn there or low speed, t- they're they're doing the work. Um. So this is a track in which maybe the gap won't be as dramatic. Um, you know, famous last words for me, but um, there are cars that will perform better here than they will in Austria. I'm sure um, Mercedes will be happy to be here. I think Ferrari will ride well here. Um, and uh, yeah, hopefully it'll be a fun race. It's usually pretty exciting here. Um, it's a good track to watch. It's very viewable. It's a great track to go to, I've heard as well. Um, and uh yeah, I guess also the other thing now that's hanging over every race is the weather because we keep getting these mixed condition qualifying races. So I'm interested to hear what we're getting this weekend. Yeah, well, um, on qualifying day uh, at qualifying time, which is 3 p.m. local, we look to be uh, in, a, in the high 70s, uh, around 76 degrees Fahrenheit or uh, 24 Celsius. Um, precipitation, 70%. Oh boy! Yes, yes, That's indeed. A and a little lightning icon from Weather.com wow. here. Um, let's see, we wind. Oh, <laughs> got some wind here as well. Uh, Thirteen miles an hour out of the south, uh, or twenty-one kilometers an hour uh, qualifying time. Uh, so that that could play a part as well on race day. A uh, little cooler temperatures. Looks like we've got uh, seventy-one. Uh, degrees Fahrenheit or 22 Celsius uh, precipitation 25% um, with uh, wind a little lower at 10 miles an hour or 16 kilometers an hour. So um, that was kind of what the weekend looked like for Austria. You know, it's sort of a uh, still scattershot this far out, um, but it looks like chance of rain to impact proceedings. Uh, but as we head into the British Grand Prix weekend, we've got Verstappen leading the championship with 229 points. Behind him, Sergio Perez, his teammate, with 148. In third, Fernando Alonso with 131 points. Lewis Hamilton in fourth with 106. And Carlos Sainz in fifth with 82. His teammate, Charles Leclerc, in sixth with 72, tied with George Russell. Lance Strolls in eighth with 44, Esteban Ocon in ninth with 31, Lando Norris in 10th with 24. Behind him, Gasly's got 16, Hulkenberg's got nine, Albon has seven, Piastri and Botas both have five. Um, in 16th place, Zhou Guan Yu, 
uh, has four points. Yuki Tsunoda and Kevin Madison are tied with two, and Logan Sargent and Nick DeVries have zero. In the constructor standings, Red Bull Racing is on top with 377 points to Mercedes's 178. Aston oh Martin in third with 175. Uh, Ferrari's in fourth with 154. Alpine in fifth with 47. McLaren is in sixth with 29. Gene Haas and team have 11 points now in seventh place. Alfa Romeo has nine. Williams has seven. And Alfa Tauri has two. Uh, McLaren also will be running a special uh, chrome livery for uh, Silverstone. Shiny cool. chrome. Yeah. The Mad Max, Mad Max uh, themed car. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, if you'd like to join the standings yourself, you can do so with our Fantasy League. You can join it using the link in the show notes. Uh, this weekend, we have a 10-way tie for first. What? In the Austrian Grand Prix. Yes, I don't know how this happened. 10 teams got 508 points. That's wild. And they That's are Papaya Clown Shoes, MSA GP, Mike's All In on Red Bull, <laughs> uh, Cow 2 Racing, J Lo. Wow, Jennifer Lopez. Yeah, amazing. Thanks for joining our league. Big fan. Big fan of F1. Inyaki the Inventor, Gunther, I Barely Know Her. <laughs> is that the one you were laughing at before it no, started the podcast? I'm getting to no, that okay. one. Uh, green to go 22, Forcha, Forza Vincenzo, and finally, Fart and Grundle. <laughs> is that the one you were laughing yes. at? Yes. That's good. Because <laughs> I'm a child. It's uh, good stuff. Uh, like you can also send us one. an email if you'd like. Uh, ShiftF1podcast <laughs> at gmail.com or f1.cool slash emails. You can also hit us up on the socials using the links in the show notes. That's us around the internet. Should we take it around the world of racing, Danny? Let's race around the world. The F1 Academy is racing at Autodromo Nazionale Monza this weekend. Three. What country is that in? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Formula 2 and Formula 3 will be supporting uh, Formula 1 at Silverstone this weekend. We have DTM, Danny. Oh, I love some DTM. Yeah. It's been so long. The in Nuremberg at the Norris Ring. The Norris Ring? Yeah. Is Lando coming? Yeah. I love him. <laughs> uh, we also have the NASCAR Craftsman Trucks at the Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course for the O'Reilly Auto Parts 150 at Mid-Ohio. Oh, oh, oh. Alrighty, back to regular tracks. We want more street circuits. That's what we want. Did you, Eddie, you guys watch that stuff? That was fun. Uh, I should go I, watch that. I did not. Rob, I I know has taped it. Okay, curious to hear. His I thoughts. still say things like everyone I go check it. out the highlights. Actually, I mean, I added it to my YouTube TV library. <laughs> oh, you didn't tape it? You no, didn't I didn't put. put the, I didn't program the VCR and like be sure to like <laughs> run over an extra twenty minutes so we get it. Yeah. Uh, the NASCAR Xfinity Series is at uh, the Atlanta Motor Speedway for the Alsco Uniforms 250 Uh, the Repco Supercars are in Townsville Australia Mm. for the NTI Townsville 500 the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship is at the Canadian Tire Motorsport Park in Bowmanville, Ontario for the Chevrolet Grand Prix beautiful 
the World Endurance Championship is also in Autodromo Nazionale Manza in Italy for the six hours of Manza. And we got NASCAR. Oh, my. Also at the Atlanta Motor Speedway for the Quaker State 400 available at Walmart. Quaker State available. Is, it, is that the Oats? It's a, it's a whole state of it's a whole state of oats. The whole state of Quakers. Yep. You just turn up and they're super nice to you. Yep. What well, could you be out. more American? Good Christians. Uh, <laughs> yes. Not sure if uh, the race is available at Walmart or if if the oatmeal just the oats is available at Walmart. Just those Unclear. delicious oats. I like the ones that taste like fruit. <laughs> the low sugar one. They got banana. Formula One also this weekend, maybe you've heard of it, Friday, July 7th, things kick off. Free Practice 1 is at 7.30 a.m. Eastern Time on ESPNU, followed by Free Practice 2 at 11 a.m., also ESPNU. Saturday, July 8th, Free Practice 3, 6.30 a.m. Eastern on ESPNU, followed by Qualifying at 10 a.m. on ESPN2. And the race, everyone, Sunday, July 9th at 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN2. The Deuce. The Deuce. Well, Danny, we're recording on July 4th, but what happened this day in Formula One on July I, 5th? I am breaking tradition, <gasps> Drew Scanlon. Because of July 4th, uh, I'm going to read today Time of Recordings one also because, ironically, although depending how you're looking at it, either either this completely works because it's the British Grand Prix mm. or it's ironic that both of these stories are very English and what better time to talk about that than on the 4th of July, the day where America wrestled away from British control. Is that what it's about? Yeah, it's mostly I'm about fireworks, but that's there too. Okay, yeah. I'm a big fan of getting, no offense to all my beautiful British chums or my, my English pals, but I'm I'm a big fan of getting rid of the tendrils of their particular, <laughs> um, uh, you know, as an Irish guy. But anyway, July 4th, two very uh, British stories. Uh, the first one, uh, this thing on July 4th, Bernie Eccleston may be the scariest man in the F1 paddock, but out in the real world, not everyone is so reverential towards him. Today in 1996, Bernie and his wife, Slavica, that might, I'm not sure how many wives ago that was, um, were mugged outside their luxury home in Chelsea Square, London. Unsurprisingly, Bernie was not willing to watch the two muggers simply walk off with their loot, and he challenged them and suffered a fractured cheekbone and had a trip to the hospital for his troubles. The thieves got away with a Rolex watch and Mrs. Eccleston's diamond ring rumored to be worth more than $750,000. Whoa. I would love to see Bernie Eccleston try and fight some teenagers. That's... Even back then, he must have been in his, like, 60s? Oh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, like, I... God, if only, like... Look... Living in a highly surveilled society is bad. Uh, it's it's annoying for a lot of reasons, but I really <laughs> wish there'd been like footage of that entire mugging and Bernie like, yeah. getting robbed. Do it for the ground, Bernie. Uh, one of the biggest modern day mysteries is who is Top Gear's The Stig? And today in 2002, the tame racing driver was revealed as one-time F1 driver Perry McCarthy when he admitted to his secret identity in the book Flat Out, Flat broke. The book, oh, wow. The book also detailed his attempts to make it into F1 with no financial backing. The Top Gear bosses were not amused, however, 
and he was sacked from the program for letting the secret out. So, a tale of two <laughs> ends of the of the wealth spectrum uh, from uh, good old Blighty. You could argue uh, one of the July first 4th, real everyone. signs that, like, boy, the Top Gear guys are not as cool as they appear to be. Uh, yeah. Because it was like, Tur- they came down on that guy don't... like a bag of hammers for their little shtick. Yeah. Because they, cause they liked pretending that Michael Schumacher was the stake. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, we did it in under an hour 10, everyone. Uh, congratulations to us. I hope everyone had a good uh, July 4th holiday, uh, if you celebrated. Um, but uh, yeah, final thoughts going into Silverstone, Danny. Spoiled for choice in July. So many European races. Uh, Austria was terrific. It was a, a lot of fun. The sprint race was wonderful. The feature race, or Grand Prix, I guess I should call it, um, was uh, was also uh, very watchable. Um, if people want more Austria, please go check out F2 and F3. I think they had some fantastic races. Also, they both had a sprint on a feature, of course, as well, being those uh, <clears throat> the sort of way things go in those divisions. Um, yeah, and I'm excited for more of it at... Uh, at Silverstone, it just feels like there's so much racing happening in at this point. During the summer, it makes sense. People are out and about, and they're packing the schedule so they can fill up those seats. So, um, yeah, it's a good time. Soak it all in now, folks, because that uh, that winter or that summer break is coming up fast, too. Indeed. Uh, final thoughts, Rob? Yeah. Uh, sprints are good when conditions are good for racing. I, I think this is my bold position is, like, more sprints at good circuits. And, like, if... <laughs> They should like have a rule that if it looks like the conditions are gonna get tricky earlier and earlier in a weekend, or it's like the minute you get that forecast for like intermittent rain, heavy at times, mostly dry, you gotta clear the decks and be like, we're doing a sprint weekend. Sorry, everybody, <laughs> practice two is canceled. All right, well, if you would like to support the show and get access to all of our bonus episodes and the official Shift F1 Discord, you can do so over at patreon.com slash shiftf1. Have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next week. Meow.